The first reading for this Sunday is from Acts chapter 2, where Peter is speaking to the crowd in Jerusalem on Pentecost Sunday. Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and he addressed them. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For this promise is for you, and for your children, and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, Peter bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second reading is from 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning at verse 17. If you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds... Conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for your sake who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and the abiding word of God. For all Flesh is like grass, and all of its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls. But the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that is preached to you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel is according to St. Luke, the 24th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. I invite you to rise if you're so inclined as we do so out of respect for our Lord as we listen to this gospel reading. This will also serve as the basis for the message this morning. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about all the things that had happened. And while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And Jesus said to them, What is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. And then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there 
in these days? And he said to them, what, what things? And they said to him, well, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word, before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all of this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Now some of those who were with us went to the tomb, and they found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken, was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus interpreted them to them all the scriptures, the things that were concerning himself. And so they drew near to the village to which they were going. And he acted as though he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now, well, is now far spent. And so he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took bread, and he blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour, and they returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven, and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen, indeed, and he has appeared to Simon." And then they told what had happened on the road and how he was made known to them in the breaking of the bread. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. God's grace, peace, and joy is yours through Jesus Christ, who is the resurrection and the life. Amen. The text for this morning's message is the gospel lesson that I read to you just a few moments ago, but I want to highlight verse 32. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. This is our text. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. I would like to begin this sermon this morning by sharing with you a story written by an inspirational Lutheran author. The author is none other than the children's story book writer, Dr. Seuss. Did you know that Dr. Seuss was a Lutheran? In one of his lesser-known classic books, On Beyond Zebra, Dr. Seuss tells the story of a young lad named Conrad Cornelius O'Donnell O'Dell. Conrad Cornelius O'Donnell O'Dell thinks that he knows everything. He even says, I know all 26 letters like that. So now I know everything anyone knows from beginning to end, from the start to the close, because Z is as far as the alphabet goes. Well, Conrad's friend then takes up a piece of chalk, and he draws a letter that Conrad has never seen before. And Conrad's friend says, you can stop if you want with the Z, because most people stop at the Z, but not me. 
in the places I go, there are things that I see that I never could spell if I stopped at Z. I'm telling you this because you're one of my friends. My alphabet starts where your alphabet ends. And through the remainder of the book, Conrad's friend introduces Conrad to new letters, to, to new ideas, and he shows him things that most people don't see. And he keeps repeating because most people stop at the Z, but not me. And then the friend concludes, the places I took him. I tried to tell young Conrad Cornelius O'Donnell O'Dell a few brand new wonderful words that he might spell. I led him around and I tried hard to show there are things beyond Z that most people don't know. I took him past zebra as far as I could. And I think perhaps maybe I did him some good. Because finally he said, this is really great stuff. And I guess the old alphabet isn't enough. Now the letters he uses are something to see. Most people still stop at Z, but not he. Now, you may be wondering, why in the world is Pastor Schaefer sharing On Beyond Zebra with us? I mean, what does that have to do with our text? Well, I would suggest to you that the two disciples on the road to Emmaus are kind of like Conrad Cornelius O'Donnell O'Dell. These two disciples think that they know it all, that they've got it all figured out. They have nothing else to learn. I mean, Jesus had been a great prophet. He had been a wonderful teacher, an inspirational teacher. And they had seen him do some mighty miracles. And that all fit nicely into their framework of what a Messiah, a Savior, should be and do. But their concept of a Messiah doesn't quite include a Savior who suffers a shameful death by crucifixion on a cross. I mean, what purpose could Jesus' death ever serve? Their hopes and their dreams for a new golden age for Israel lays stone-cold dead in a tomb. And oh, sure, they had heard the fanciful tale told by some of the women that Jesus was alive, but <laughs> who can really believe them? I mean, who's ever heard of someone raising himself from the dead? It's not rational. It doesn't fit within our framework of A to Z. And so these two disciples are returning home to their old ways, maybe a little disillusioned, a little depressed, a little downcast, a little devastated, a little despondent, and maybe even a tad bit embarrassed that they had been duped by a false messiah. But then Jesus appears as these two disciples make the seven-mile trek from Jerusalem to Emmaus. And Jesus asks them, what are you discussing? And Cleopas tells Jesus their sad story. We had hoped Jesus would be the one to redeem Israel, he sighs. When Jesus could stand there moping no longer, and when he grows tired of hearing their incomplete understanding of who he is and all that he has done for them and for the whole world by his life and his death and his resurrection from the dead, Jesus says to them, how foolish you are and how slow to, of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not Christ have to suffer these things and enter then into his glory? And then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, Jesus explains to these two disciples what was said in him, said about him in all the scriptures. 
And oh, oh my, what a course of study those two disciples received that afternoon. Oh, the places Jesus took them as he explained the Old Testament prophecies to them. And they began to understand that there was more to see than they'd ever thought there might be. It is as though Jesus is saying, you can stop if you want with the letter Z, because most people stop with Z, but not me. I'm telling you this because I'm your friend. My alphabet starts where your alphabet ends. Yes, the disciples had a very restrictive framework in which they view and interpret life and even how they saw Jesus. Oh, they think they know it all, A to Z. But on that afternoon, Jesus takes them to places and he unveils realities that they never dreamed of. He took them way beyond the letter Z. Because the truth of Jesus' resurrection and his promise of our own resurrection from the dead lays outside the boundaries of our human understanding. It lays outside our experience. It lays outside of the reality of A to Z. You see, but most people stop at Z. But not me. Jesus shares a meal with these two disciples. And as he breaks bread, their eyes are opened and they recognize him. And then Jesus suddenly disappears from their sight. And they look at each other with shock and disbelief. And they, and they say to one another, did not our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and opened our eyes to the scriptures? And then these two disciples, they now see Jesus in ways they had not seen him before. Now they see him as Lord. They see him as Savior. They see him as the resurrection. They see him as the life. They see him as someone who can give them hope for today and for tomorrow and forever. And these disciples do what Jesus' disciples always do when their eyes are open and their mouths are opened. I mean, when their eyes and their minds are open, they begin to open their mouths. And they tell others of their experience with the risen and triumphant Lord Jesus Christ. Cleopas and his companion, they rush back to Jerusalem as fast as they can so that they might explain the scriptures to others. Because you see, most people stop at Z. But they now say, but not me. Not me. Friends in Christ, we still live in a very close-minded society. We live within a world that operates from an A to Z framework. Our world is intolerant to the spiritual truths that God reveals to us in sacred scripture. I mean, people read the Bible and they hear of God's revelation about Jesus Christ and it all seems like nonsense. It's silly talk to them. And we really shouldn't be surprised because St. Paul says that the, that the cross of Christ is foolishness to those who are perishing. I mean, a virgin conceives. <laughs> You're right, impossible. Conceives God's son, no less. Well, maybe in Greek mythology. God chooses to live in an obscure town in an insignificant nation. Ah, baloney. God allows himself to be abused and insulted and crucified at the hands of man, even experiencing the wrath of his father for our sins. <laughs> yeah, don't insult my intelligence. A resurrection from the dead? <laughs> That's fool's talk. That's just silly, unsophisticated talk. Something that was for the past, but not for the present. 
Give me some scientific proof. But you see, such naysayers are like Conrad Cornelius O'Donnell O'Dell. They're limited by their A to Z thinking. They're darkened in their understanding because their mind and their thoughts have been corrupted by sin. They're blind because of the sin that they've inherited. Well, truth be told, we were all once darkened in our understanding of God. We were all once blind to who it is that Jesus Christ is, the Son of God, our Savior. And we didn't know the plan of salvation, not the way that God has revealed it to us in Scripture. And so just as Conrad's friend opened Conrad's minds to see beyond the letter Z, so Jesus comes to us in his word. And he opens our minds and he opens our eyes so that we might understand and see that there's a reality beyond Z. That's what Jesus does. He opens minds and he opens hearts and he opens eyes. St. Paul writes, however it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it to us by his spirit. Jesus opens up our eyes and our minds when we're baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He opens our minds and our eyes when we read the scriptures And he does the same thing when moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas and brothers and sisters and friends and relatives and pastors and Sunday school teachers and other members share with us the story of Jesus. Like Conrad Cornelius Donald O'Dell's friend, we might say that through their words and through through their actions, through their witness, the Lord opens our eyes to see and our mind to comprehend that there's more to life, there's more to reality than a to Z. And now, because the Lord has opened our eyes to see things that we didn't see prior to our conversion, we now see Jesus as our Lord. He is God in the flesh. We see him as the Savior who suffered on the cross to forgive us of our sins. We see him as the resurrection and the life who promises us that we too will live. We see that in him we have hope, even in the most difficult times of life. And we believe that by his death our sins are forgiven. We now know that we're saved by God's grace alone, that it's not because of our deeds. We know that God's grace is free. There is no charge because Christ paid the price for us with his death. And our Lord, he opens up our eyes and our minds to other realities that go far beyond A to Z. I mean, we're told that happiness and contentment can be bought. But Jesus says that those who are truly rich are those who have a relationship with him. We're told that we're to look out for our own interests, that that should be our priority. But Jesus tells us that that, that the exact opposite, reverse. He says that the greatest person in his kingdom is the one who serves and who looks out for the needs of others. We're told to live for today, to eat, drink, and marry, because tomorrow we'll die. But Jesus tells us to look at life and this life from an eternal perspective. We're told that sickness is a curse from God, but the Lord shows us that it's actually an opportunity for us to glorify God, and and God can even use that sickness and trials or tribulations in our life to make us stronger in our faith and more reliant on Him and His grace. We're told that an unborn child isn't human, and yet our Creator tells us that each and every one of us, from the moment of our conception, have a unique DNA stamped upon us. 
We're handcrafted by Him. And we're told that death is our friend, but it's not. Death is our enemy that has been defeated by Christ in His resurrection. And that's why there's no longer a sting, the sting of death for those who believe in Him. It's with this newfound understanding of life beyond Z that we do what other disciples do when the Lord opens minds and eyes. We open our mouths and we tell other people of our experience with our crucified and resurrected and risen Lord. And we begin to explain the scriptures to others so that they too might see beyond zebra, so that they will no longer stop at Z. Friends in Christ, some people think that we waste our time worshiping and studying the scriptures that there's far more productive things that we can do. Well, Bill Gates, for example, even said a few years back, just in terms of allocation of time resource, religion is not very efficient. There's a lot more I could do on a Sunday morning. But you see, my friends, Bill Gates speaks as one who still only thinks within the reality of A to Z. We who walk with Jesus and who have our minds and our eyes opened by Him know better, don't we? We know the value of sitting at the feet of our Savior Jesus Christ and listening to His Word. We know the value of being nurtured in our faith through worship. We know the value of being instructed in the ways of the Lord. As Paul says to young Timothy, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and become convinced of because you know those from whom you've learned it. And you have been taught the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed, and it's useful for teaching and for rebuking and for correcting and for training in righteousness, so that every man, woman, and child of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And that's why Martin Luther says that of all the gifts that God gives us, the gift of God's Word is the most valuable. For if you take it away, if you take the Word of God away, it's like taking the sun away from the earth. I pray that you will never stop reading the Scriptures and studying the Bible. I pray that you won't stop worshiping the Lord. For you see, God has so much to teach us and to show us that lies well beyond Z. And to those of you who I'm speaking today who maybe haven't been so regular in worship or reading the scriptures, well, first of all, thank you for participating in this worship service with us. And I encourage you to worship with us again and again. And I encourage you to join us for Bible study. 11 a.m. later today, I invite you to join us so you can continue to learn more about Jesus and sit at his feet and have him open up your eyes and minds to realities that he alone can show us. And if you need a Bible, I'll be glad to supply one to you. Yes, Jesus has so much to show all of us, things that we've never seen before. And it's also my prayer that we will do what Jesus' disciples always do, that we will tell his word to others, the women. After they hear the angel's announcement and meet Jesus, what do they do? They go back to the cowering disciples and they tell of Jesus' resurrection. Peter and John, after seeing that the tomb is empty, run back to the, to the doubting disciples and they tell of Jesus' resurrection. The two Emmaus disciples run all the way back to Jerusalem and what did they do? They tell the disciples of Jesus' resurrection. 
and the disciples tell skeptical Thomas of Jesus' resurrection, and the disciples filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of the Pentecost tell the people of Jerusalem of Jesus' resurrection, and Stephen, he tells the persecutors of Jesus' resurrection just before they stone him to death, and Peter tells Cornelius, the centurion of Jesus' resurrection, and Paul, he tells the proud and philosophical Athenians of Jesus' resurrection. Do you see the trend? Christianity is a telling religion. We, as followers of Jesus, tell of his resurrection. There's an old German proverb that says, that which fills the heart overflows from the lips. Yes, our Lord has filled our hearts full of Easter joy, of Easter hope, And it can flow from our lips as we tell others that Jesus is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Sadly, there are still many people that look at life and death from the perspective of there being nothing more than the letter A to Z, so to speak. You're born, you live, you die, and that's it. Oh, how pathetic. But that's not it, is it? That's A to Z thinking. We know there's so much more beyond Z. And we're being sent by our Lord to be a friend to to a Conrad Cornelius O'Donnell O'Dell in our life. We're sent to, to help that person see that there's more to life than what they see. That their perception of what is real and true is to be stretched beyond their current limited thinking. We're sent to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, that that good news that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. For that is the power of God unto the salvation of everyone who believes. We're sent so that our friends and our family members can see life on earth and death and resurrection to eternal life from God's perspective, not from their limited perspective. And oh, the places that will take them. (laughs) We'll take them to Bethlehem where the Son of God is born to the Virgin Mary. We'll take them to the Jordan River where the Father speaks from the heaven. This is my beloved Son, with him I'm well pleased. And we'll see the Holy Spirit descend upon Jesus. And then we'll see Jesus go out into the wilderness where he goes without food for 40 days and 40 nights and he's tempted by Satan and he turns back the temptations of of Satan. We'll go to the Samaritan well where Jesus sits there and talks with a woman who doesn't deserve his love and forgiveness or that water that he promises to well up to eternal life, but he gives it to her anyways out of grace. We'll go to the shores of the Sea of Galilee and we'll sit there with everybody else and listen to Jesus talk to us about as he did on the Sermon on the Mount. And we will journey with Jesus up into that upper room with all the other disciples and, and hear him say, this is my body and this is my blood given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. We'll go to the Garden of Gethsemane and we'll watch Jesus wrestle and we'll see him sweat droplets like blood because he's so overwhelmed with fear of what's going to await him on the cross. We'll go to the hill of the skull where his hands and his feet are nailed to a cross and where he's forsaken by his father and he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And we'll know that he was forsaken for us. And then we'll go to the empty tomb and we'll find that, yes, the tomb is empty. And we'll hear the angel say, he's not here. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? And we'll hear Jesus say, I'm alive. And then we'll go to the Mount of Olives and we'll hear Jesus say, go and tell. 
go and tell of my resurrection to all the people of this world so that they might see that there's a reality beyond Z. Oh, what a journey it'll be. The Lord will open our eyes and our minds to new realities. And he'll open other people's eyes and minds to new realities as well. And as he does so, I pray that you and I will be able to say, I led him around and I tried hard to show. There are some things beyond Z that most people don't know. And I think perhaps maybe I did him some good because finally he said, this is really great stuff. And I guess my old way of thinking within A to Z isn't enough. And now the letters he uses are something to see. Most people still stop at the Z, but no longer he. No, now he, she, they see and they know and they believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Amen. And now may the peace of God that surpasses all understanding guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.